Now more than ever, it's important to show support for your team and your community. Visa and the National Football League know that local businesses help your community move the ball down the field. Small businesses everywhere are overcoming challenges in these new times thanks to teammates like you and Visa. Because when everyone pitches in, everyone benefits. Being loyal to local businesses ignites growth and supports all of us and our communities. Because they know that where you shop matters, Visa urges you to support your local retailers who are making shopping safe and reliable. And remember, tap to pay with a contactless Visa wherever you see the cashless symbol to help support your community. Visa, official partner of the NFL. So here we go. Dallas needs this without timeouts. Zerline will score. It's got to go 10 yards, and it's close. Zerline may have come through. Who's got it? The Cowboys have it. Do you believe that? Why did Atlanta pick it up? They let it go. They could have picked it up and ended the game, but Dallas has recovered, and they're not done yet. Greg Zerline from 46 to win it for Dallas. Hold is down, kick is up, and it is good! Somehow, some way, the Cowboys have won it! The only thing else I got to say is, how about them Cowboys? How about them Cowboys, indeed. Wow, what a win for the Dallas Cowboys in their home opener. Cowboys never looked worse at points of the game, but thankfully the Atlanta Falcons were involved. So you're telling me there's a chance. We're going to discuss it all and more on this post-game edition of About Them Cowboys. I'm Kent Garrison producing, but before I get to our panel, I want to let you know that you can be listening to this episode ad-free on The Athletic. Did you know that we have a deal for a dollar a month going on at theathletic.com slash aboutthemcowboys? You need to get that because you're not going to want to miss Bob Sturm's post-game breakdown on The Athletic this week. He's going to go through all the film, and it's sure to be a doozy, so go now. Theathletic.com slash aboutthemcowboys. But now, we're going to welcome in our panel of Father John Mashoda, Old Grey Wolf Mike Reiner, and host with the most, Kevin K.T. Turner. All is good in Cowboys land, right, guys? No, um, they squirreled away a win somehow. And from the time they really started to take over the game, that's about what I had envisioned them being like and looking like. You know, John, you were at the game. First of all, tell us what the vibe was like with, uh, you know, 20 percent or 20,000 fans there. What was the vibe like? And uh, go ahead and give us kind of your general thoughts on the game before we kind of get started running through it. Well, like. AT&T Stadium is normally a late arriving crowd for a noon game. So I didn't expect it to be too crazy early on. I would say in the first half, the crowd reminded me of uh, some of the uh, the Texas high school football uh, state championship games that they have there. Some of the earlier in the day, the smaller schools, it was like that, um, which is because people are spread out. And, and, you know, during certain big plays, you kind of hear fans, but nothing too crazy. But in that fourth quarter, yeah, it was impressive. Um, it, it really made you feel like a regular, normal Cowboys game, even though it was twenty-one, a little over twenty-one thousand people there. Um, so the atmosphere was was obviously unique because you compare it to what they had last week with not a single person there. Uh, so that really added to it. It, it would have been—I don't know how it would have been if there was no fans there. Like uh, AT&T Stadium, for anybody that that doesn't know, it's a glassed-in 
uh, press box. It's not open air. So I wonder if we would have been able to hear players yelling, I guess, celebrating, because if there was no fans there, you would have been here able to hear everything. But um, you could hear the fans, you know, celebrating before the ball even went through the upright. So you already knew it was good uh, just from from their angle, because we're a little bit more off to the side. Um but the thing that I'll always remember from the post game was just kind of watching everybody celebrating. And that was the most excited I've ever seen Dak Prescott, like more so than even, you know, his playoff win against Seattle, like just jumping around, like even after. So everybody was jumping around and kind of piled on middle of the field, kind of by Greg Zerline. But then after it died down, there was a little bit of handshaking that and guys kind of went their separate way. Dak was still jumping around. He like, I don't know if he pushed him or he kind of just grabbed to like hug Rich Dalrymple, the God, he's in charge of the Cowboys PR. Um, and because Rich was getting him to do an interview, I believe. And so it just like he was just so excited that that they were able. I mean, you just got the feeling, even though we're not allowed to go in the locker room, just from that, like two or three minutes, the way they celebrated, it just it looked like a group that knew that they stole a victory, that they had no business winning that game. And we'll get into all of this, but it's just one of those things where it's like, yeah, if you're those guys, you feel excited that you, you got to win and you're one and one. But the way they played in that first quarter was so bad that they didn't even deserve to win that game. But somehow they just pulled off a miraculous. It's just crazy to me because I've only been to one Super Bowl in my life, and it was that Atlanta-New England game. And it's just like this game kind of really reminded me of that in, in its own ways. One of the stats that will always stand out to me that's just so bizarre is how you complete that comeback without getting one turnover. Like the, I don't, the, the long fields that Dak had to work to move them down the field without one short field on one turnover, amazing. But obviously not the recipe. You're not going to win many games playing like they did today. Is this Dak's finest moment? I think so. Me personally, I I think it is just because um, of the situation, all things considered, because those first three plays, at least the first three pass plays, you looked at this like, are they going to be even able to complete a pass? Like something that you would never even think watching an NFL game. But because they didn't have Tyron Smith, because they didn't have Lyle Collins, they're having to start undrafted rookie free agent Terrence Steele and then undrafted second year Brandon Knight as your as your tackles. And they were getting destroyed early on. I just thought it was going to be a disaster of a game. And it, and it certainly played out that way, 20 to nothing at the end of the first quarter. For him to rally, for Dak to rally the way he did, to get knocked out, of the game, even though he seemed to be fine, but the ref made him go to the concussion protocol in the third quarter. Andy Dalton comes in for two plays, and for him to come right in there, the very next play he runs it in from from a one-yard touchdown, and, and just, I mean, he's the only player in NFL history ever to have four, over 400 passing yards and three rushing touchdowns in the same game. Um, yeah, I think it's got, I think it is his finest moment. It's one of those games where a lot of people look at Dak's career up to this point, and they're like, well, yeah, look at look at the great offensive line he has. Look at the running back he has. Look at all the receivers he has. Like, it's great. But when it's not perfect, he doesn't really play that well. Well, it wasn't perfect today, and he played great. He was really feeling it, too. When they when he had to go out into the concussion protocol, I would have liked to have seen what would have happened if they would have told him he can't come back in. I mean, by that time, he was so into the game. He was so intense. He was playing with intensity that I had never seen before. And, boy, he was leading that team, too. I mean, you, you want to talk about a boss? There's your boss. And I just wonder what would have happened if they would have told him, no, you can't go back in. Your head's too rattled. 
this might be the first case ever where we see somebody say, like, effing hell I am. Especially with him in particular, because you're talking about a guy that he knows as well as anybody what that means if, if you let somebody else potentially come in there and play a couple series in your job. Because Dak Prescott is a guy who came in for his high school, the high school quarterback that was a starter, and he got hurt, and so Dak came in for that guy. That guy never got his job back. Never, Dak never gave it back. Mississippi State. Same thing. Starter got hurt. Dak comes in, never gave the job back. Tony Romo gets hurt. Dak comes in to be the starter, never gave the job back. He is the last guy that wants to let anybody take another another snap there because you just never know. Uh, I know it's unlikely the Dak taking over for Romo, the, the Tom Brady taking over uh, for Drew Bledsoe, but those guys, and him in particular, they know. They, they want to take every single snap, even in those meaningless Week 17 games when the season's already des- decided. You didn't, you didn't think the red rifle looked pretty good on that rollout or, or on that bootleg on the first right, play? Right, at least hey, he threw it away. Hey, at least he knew to throw it away and didn't try to force it. Let me, let me just say this. When he came running out there, that was one of the loudest times that the crowd got up until that point. Obviously, there wasn't a lot to get excited about. But when he came out there, it got loud. And I was like, well, maybe these are some TCU fans or whatever. Maybe there's <laughs> people that, hey, these could be Romo fans. They're just like, I'm... I want, I want to be right because I argue with my buddies all the time at the bar about how Dak's not the guy. I want to win this argument. But it got kind of loud. I was like, I don't think this is what you guys really want. And then obviously, you know, two plays later, Dak's back in there and then just has this miraculous comeback. But it would be a lie to say it didn't get loud when Andy Dalton ran out there. No, I believe it. That's kind of weird. I don't recall there being that much buzz about Andy Dalton coming on board. I mean, what are we to read into this? I wonder. Yeah, that is a if that is a bit weird. It's not like there are that many TCU fans in the building. <laughs> I mean, maybe a small percentage, but not not a, maybe he's a hometown. Well, Dallas Dallas yeah. has had Dallas had Roger and Troy, and then Tony, and then now Dak. So it's been pretty good there. But being from Detroit, I will say it is pretty common that like. The most the favorite quarterback in Detroit is generally the backup. It's generally like they're rooting for the next guy to get in there because they're so sick of who the starter is. So I think it's just a fan thing. I remember a day when we saw a lot of that action around here too. Back when, you know, Roger Staubach was riding the bench and a lot of the time when even going back to Don Meredith, whoever was backing up him was the crowd favorite. So yeah, we've seen a little of that action around here. I don't, I, I don't look into them cheering at him, for him as in we want him to be to replace Dak. I think it's just like we're happy this guy's on our team. Let's go. It, it was, it was like a, I don't know him being introduced in the starting lineup. Applause, you know. It was like that was his first public like I'm on the team now. I'm on, you know, I'm my first snap as a cowboy. Yeah. All that. I think that was just more like let's just give this guy a warm reception because he's the first time we're seeing him on the field. You know. Yeah, maybe you're right about that. It's probably just me trying to start something. <laughs> oh no, 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 Mike. You're, no, there's definitely there's more to it than that. I think you're onto something uh, because there's also that there's also that group of people. I'm not going to say it's it's a, a strong majority, but there's there's definitely people out there that that don't think Dak should be trying to hold the Cowboys to get every last dollar. There's people that think that yeah. he should just take what they're giving him. You're so lucky. You're the Cowboys quarterback. You're going to get all these endorsements and you got this great team around you. Just be happy with whatever they're offering you. The people that just don't, they look at it from afar. They're not looking at it if they were in that position. So I don't know. Yeah. I just, it is what it is, but obviously I think those people, they probably had to shut up for at least one night. 
All right. You know, well, also, too, I'll say this. If they would have lost that game, I tweeted out, I thought this might be like the one night where maybe the Cowboys lose and maybe Dak's not to blame. You know, maybe everyone's like getting their vitriol somewhere else because it seems like they are kind of angry at him or or you get the whole, well, if he's going to get want $40 million, he's got to win that game, you know, talking about last week or whatever against the Rams. It um, was that, but it was the same. He's way not with the Romo. problem. Yeah, it was the same way with Rome. No, he, he's not the problem, but it's always the quarterback around here. It is always the quarterback. We don't have a uh, an in, a, a intelligent enough football fandom around here for it to be any other way. It's always the quarterback because he's got the ball more than anybody else. He makes more money than anybody else, and he's handy. Nobody has to think about it. It, it's almost like there's more emotion being put into it than, you know, rationale or thought. Uh, and obviously we're not talking about everyone there, but, you know, uh, let's run through oh, real, real quick. quick before I just want to add this in there. Okay. So I've only covered Tony Romo and Dak Prescott as the starting quarterback. So this goes back to 2011 when I first started covering the team at no point during those years, if you did a ranking of all the quarterbacks in the NFL and you did a ranking of all the defenses in the NFL, those quarterbacks the Cowboys have had are way higher on that list of quarterbacks than where that defense ranks during that time. The defense has been largely the problem. It's been what's kept them falling sh- short. It's where they put the littlest investment in. It's not the quarterback's fault, but it's way easier to blame one person than to sit there and be like, we don't get anything from our defensive backs. And it's just like that gets old. We don't get nothing from our linebackers. We're not getting a pass rush. Like People get bored with that. So it's like, Let's just let's complain about the quarterback. It's it's just easier. It's like quarterbacks and coaches. It's just so easy to just point at that one person. I feel like I would agree with that. You know, if you're going to point to the defense, then you've got to have something to back that up. And you start talking about the linebackers or the secondary, or they can't cover anybody back there. They don't have anybody back there deep who's any good. You know, nobody wants to hear about that. That requires too much focus on the game of football for them. Quarterback's easy. Andy, everybody can get their head around that. It's the sexy thing, you know? Yeah. Yeah. Uh, You know, John, you've been uh, covering this team for a long time. Mike, you've been watching this team for a long time. Uh, Let me ask you guys, is, uh, is four fumbles in the first quarter a good thing or is that bad? I'm going to go way out on a limb here, and Johnny may take serious issue with this, but I'm going to go way out on a limb here, and I'm going to say bad. I had my – okay, so at halftime, no, <laughs> at halftime, I walked over to uh, – they got us really spread out in there. I think the press box normally holds about 200 people, and they got it down to about 70 so that we all are, are pretty spaced out. Um, so I went and walked down to halftime. I was trying to find out, find someone that's been covering the team a lot longer than me. So I went and talked to David Moore and I was like, when's the last time you remember them just starting a game this bad? Cause I go, I've never seen it since I've covered the team this last decade. And he talked about like one of the playoff games against San Francisco, uh, back in the nineties where they just get, were getting blown out early on. I think it was the one they lost in, I believe in 95, but like, it was a long time that you had to go back to remember them just starting a game that ugly. That's true. They did. They didn't start off that game terribly and spent the rest of it just frantically trying to get back into it and almost did it. You know, they got down 14 nothing. It was 7 nothing after Matt Ryan hit Calvin Ridley. Good little double move. Got the separation on Cheeto. 
in the corner. And then, you know, the Cowboys get the ball, then Zeke fumbles. And then, you know, they actually keep the ball, even though the ruling on the field appeared to be this Falcons ball. They keep the ball, and then they are moving again, and then they they move into the Falcons' territory, and then Zeke fumbles again, giving the Falcons the ball at midfield. And they hit Hayden Hurst on that 42-yard touchdown that made it 14 to nothing. Uh, was there any explanation on what the heck happened on that play, John? Because obviously there was no one near Hayden Hurst on that play. You know, that's the thing about the way that we have to cover the team now is that you don't get to go in the locker room and ask, like, you're just kind of, you get a couple of conference calls, but then they send other quotes up after. So you're not, you don't get that, that really that access to, to get to too many storylines. So a lot of the quotes that we got, and explanations we got for the game was more about this miraculous comeback than the negative. I mean, there were certainly guys talking about how like we can't start games. I mean, that was, that's embarrassing. Like you can't start a game like that, but not specifics on that because yeah, the Hayden Hurst, there was another one, the, the Calvin Ridley uh, touchdown that you're going to probably mention in a little bit here that comes in after that way too wide open as well. Like th- those breakdowns and coverage on the back end, that's ugly. That, that can't be happening. So really the only solution to any of this is you have to have a pass rush. And there's been no real pass rush. And that's scary when you think of the quarterbacks that they've played in Jared Goff and Matt Ryan. Those are guys that stay in the pocket. That's usually when the DeMarcus Lawrence usually eats. Those are the guys that he loves because they stay inside the pocket. Like in the next four weeks, you got Kyler Murray, Russell Wilson. Like that's not going to be great if you can't get a pass rush. And we've seen in the in this game, I mean, yeah, they scored. They won the game, okay, and, and they deserve credit for that. But like you can't come away from this game thinking like, uh, offense offense did good. Defense made a few mistakes, but it can be cleaned up. Like, I don't know. <laughs> These first two games that I've seen from the defense, I don't know how much cleaning up is going to happen in the near future. Well, getting back to the pass rush and to continue on that thread, if we can, is it not especially disconcerting considering that they did a lot toward shoring that up this year? And they have guys there that they're hoping can – square that away a little bit and and they weren't particularly prominent today oh absolutely i mean the fact that in two in their first two games they have two sacks one from alden smith one from everson griffin and that's it that's not why you bring in guys like that that's not why you give 100 million dollars to demarcus lawrence like demarcus lawrence is a is an outstanding all-around player great against the run I and mean, he doesn't really have any weaknesses high motor you very rarely ever see him like take a playoff i can't even remember the last time i seen him take a playoff but at the end of the day, you're paying for production and two sacks in two games from that that group. That's that's stunning to me. That that yeah. there's no really expected. excuse for that. Yeah, and you don't get Randy Gregory back until week uh, eight or nine, and then you're like hoping. What's he's got eight games, so like week nine, and then you're just hoping that he uh, is somehow a, a magic man like Alden Smith and in football shape and ready to play, looking like he's never missed a beat. Uh, you know, because uh, then it was you know so they're down fourteen nothing. The Cowboys have the ball, and they have a fourth and three. Let's bring out the punt team. Uh, what did you guys think about the Chris Jones uh, pass to C.J. Goodwin, the fake punt attempt? Because, man, that would have worked if C.J. Goodwin didn't fall down. I don't know how you uh, – if you're the Falcons, you don't expect these things. I mean, this everything that happened in this game, that's that's John Fossil's resume. I mean, he does this stuff all the time. Like, I wasn't even surprised the second time. They, I mean, that's just what he does. He's – always taking chances like that. He See, that's the thing. Like, when they signed him as their special teams coordinator, um, I remember Todd Archer pointing out, saying, you know, Chris Jones has a decent arm because we obviously remember him having Hecker throw 
uh, the punter yeah. over over the Rams. And so it was like, this is going to be interesting. He's going to let him throw. We didn't think it would be week two. I always thought that that happened with the Rams so much just because they used to tell us that Johnny Hecker's a, a great athlete in addition to punter, that there's all kinds of football cred and football accolades in his past other than being just a kicker and that that was just because he could do that. But, man, today to do it once and have it blow up the way it did on you and then to come back and do it again, wow. (laughs) By the way, is it true that John Fossil has 0% body fat? (laughs) <laughs> i'd say Ser- at- seriously I-, I read a story some years back about him and it talked about how he swam in the pacific ocean every day and he's one of these guys that if it had a face he will not touch it and that he had that he seriously and really had zero percent body fat <laughs> is that even possible for somebody <laughs> I mean, I, I, that's interesting. I, I didn't know that. I mean, obviously I knew his, his nickname was Bones. Everybody always talks about that. And he is all over the field during that 30 minutes of practice that we get to see. I mean, he doesn't – a lot of people think that special teams coordinator, like he's just working with the special teams. Like, no, like – and this kind of comes back to him, especially the way the first quarter went. But, like, he runs a lot of the drills that they do early in practice with the running backs, with the defensive backs, trying to knock the ball loose. I mean – He's all over the place, like with with uh, boxing gloves, trying to these when the running backs are going through drills, trying to like punch the ball out of their hand, like and like really trying, not like just a graze or anything like that. Yeah, like he's got a lot of energy. So <laughs> this, I, I, that's that's wild. No, I mean it's it's totally possible. I've been looking all over the place for that story. It's been a few years since I read it, and of course, needless to say, I can't remember where or who or anything like that. But I do remember. It said he had zero percent body fat, and I didn't know you could even have that. I thought yeah, everybody be had dead? some. I, I thought that was unhealthy, to be honest with you. I yeah, it's, that too. Some. it's a tw- it's from a 2016 article in uh, the LA Times that I've just rounded up. Oh, it uh, is, and it is true: zero percent body fat. Um, holy cow! Yeah, uh, God, what I'm a hustler you are. <laughs> you. You know what? That I thought you had to have like at least three percent because your body. I did too. No, seriously, I've, I've heard that it's. I heard that it's not healthy to have like less than. I want to say it's like at least three to five percent or something like that. You know, coaching football is probably not the most healthy thing ever either. I feel like those guys have a lot of bad habits, drinking a bunch of Red Bulls and stuff. I could be wrong. Um, so it's twenty to nothing after the first quarter. Uh, holy cow! And then the Dalton Schultz fumble happened. Oh man. But that, you know, the defense, I guess, could. I guess we could give them a little bit of credit for not completely breaking. They did hold the Falcons to a couple field goals to make it 20 nothing. Then finally, the Cowboys get on board. They have a big, long drive, um, and it's 20 to 7. Zeke punches it in for, for one yard. But then, once again, the Falcons just respond and cram it right up uh, the you know what of the Cowboys. And uh, they hit uh, Calvin Ridley with another touchdown, another double move. This time, he got Jordan Lewis. Jordan Lewis in this week with uh, Anthony Brown out. Um, the Falcons went ahead and went for two and missed it, but it was 26 to seven at that point. Uh, I, I don't know, John, how much you got to, you know, it's, it's tough. You don't watch a whole game. You got to rewatch it and all that stuff. But 
What'd you think about Jordan Lewis's debut? Really the Cowboys secondary cover guys in general today. I thought Jordan Lewis is okay. Um, I thought Cheeto looked a lot like he has in, in previous years where he's in position, but he just, just barely doesn't make the play. Um, but Trayvon Diggs, the upside is there. He's the one that impressed me the most. Like he's the guy that fans should be the most excited about. I mean, he's he had a chance again today to almost have an interception in the end zone. But just the way he runs with these wide receivers is something that we really haven't seen that much out of defensive backs here in Dallas. And so he is he's the positive there. Like you want to make sure that that guy's on the field and and playing all season long can avoid injuries because I think by the end of the year you could have a really good. Uh, player there and if you can keep him healthy Cheeto on the other side Jordan Lewis getting Anthony Brown back I think you're fine at corner like I don't I think that I to me that's your second strongest group behind your defensive line just because linebacker you just can't trust the health there and then safety is well as we know safety as it always has been here so um I don't know this team reminds me a lot of 2014 defense where the defense is just like you really need the offense to be on the field for a long time, eating up clock. The defense just cannot be out there too much or they're, or they're going to get tore up. And so maybe it's just the process of learning Mike Nolan's new system and they aren't 100% sure, and maybe they'll get a little bit better as the season goes on. But uh, it's hard to believe that this defense is going to make leaps and bounds and be one of the better defenses in the league. Like I think all season, you know, you're going to have to, this Cowboys offense is going to have to score, you know, 30 plus points. So it's 29 to 10 at the half, and uh, that leads me to this quick read I'm going to do real quick, guys, and then we're going to pick it back up. Do um, you guys know much about Fubo TV? Because if you go to FuboTV.com slash The Athletic, you can get 15% off your first month. So that's a great athletic special for you. FuboTV.com slash Athletic. You'll get 15% off your first month. Um, you can also get the family plan where three people can watch it at once. You get the standard base plan which uh, gives you Fubo TV on two screens at once. And also uh, 50% off, uh, I'm sorry, 15% off the first month. If you go to FuboTV.com slash The Athletic, it's got 30 hours of DVR. Local broadcast, of course. Um, obviously, you know, it's tough times for a lot of people out there. But uh, if you want to save some money, $50 is a little more affordable than uh, many of the other cable providers out there. And they also have uh, NBC Sports on the national feed as well. So make sure that you go to FuboTV.com slash The Athletic today and get your 15% off discount on your first month. That's FuboTV.com slash Athletic. Uh, so 29-10. And then the Cowboys, we knew they had to come out hot. It was amazing. It was 29-10. It really felt like it was 42-10, to 10, um, you know, or, or way worse than that. Um, Dak hits CeeDee Lamb over the middle on a free play, and then they end up scoring. Dak runs it in on one yard out. It's 29-17. I don't know about you guys, but CeeDee Lamb looks incredible. He's been really fun to watch. Pretty outstanding. I think that will be hailed as one of the best Cowboy draft choices of many, many years. And I know that may not be saying very much in view of the fact that most of the time – in recent years, they've gone for line help or secondary or something that doesn't have quite the sizzle as somebody like a, uh, an electrifying pass catcher does. So it's really kind of a gimme, but I think he's going to be a really, really good player. And, you know, he is part of my anybody but Dak draft. Oh, so yeah. There's that. <laughs> you're in the, you're in the yeah, early lead there, Mike. Pick. Yeah. Yeah. 
Yeah, I think yes. he keeps it. Yeah, keeps but I got the, one guy that's out for the year, too, so. Well, that's right, Jarwin, yeah. Yeah. Mm. I don't even the, remember who I drafted. I know I drafted Demarcus Lawrence, and that's not looking looking great. Gallup either. and uh, Zeke as well. I've got it written down right here. To Mike's, to Mike's point, um, yeah, they the trend seems like it's going to continue where the Cowboys, when they draft offense in the first round, They've been outstanding, really, since Will McClay's taken over this draft. Mm-hmm. I mean, you go C.D. Lamb. They didn't have a first-round pick last year, but their first pick was Tristan Hill. The year before that was Leighton Van Der Esch. If he's healthy, that's a great pick, but we don't know what that's going to be going forward. Then Taco Charlton the year before that. Obviously, we know how that turned out. But then the years all before that, you go Ezekiel Elliott. There was Byron Jones. That was, that was a good pick. But then it's all off. And Zach Martin, Travis Frederick. There was the Morris Claiborne year, but then – Tyron Smith, Des Bryant, like when they've gone offense in the first round. Uh, let's see here. When's the last time they missed? Would, I mean, would you say Felix Jones was a miss? Pretty uh, good for a first while. round pick. Yeah. 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 He was. If it's not Felix, back, if it's yeah. if it's not Felix Jones, then you have to go back to 1997 and David Lafleur. Oh man! Wow. David LaFleur. I didn't think that was going to be mentioned on tonight's podcast. Um, 29-17. I think about all the things that had to happen for the Cowboys to win this game. How about the Falcons driving into Cowboys territory? And then on third and two, Russell Gage is at quarterback, and he throws a a, a, a big high-arcing uh, ball to Julio Jones, and it hits Julio Jones right in the hands, and he drops it. Would have been a sure touchdown. What, that would have put was the game away. What was interesting about those plays were those were their third down plays that it was clear that we're running these because we're going for it on fourth down. Like it was very apparent. And they did it the first time, didn't work. Matt Ryan comes back in. They go for it on fourth down. They get it. But after that play doesn't work, Matt Ryan comes back out there. I believe they get a false start, pushes them back, so then they have to punt it. It was a huge turning point at at, at that point because that was part of their package of like, it was just very evident, like, yeah, we're going to bring Gage in to play this, like, wildcat-type role, but that's because if we don't get it, we're going to still go for it. I mean, they had – it was very clear they had – they weren't worried at all about trying to get first downs on, on fourth and short against that Cowboys defense. That flag was too many men in the huddle. Oh, okay. Yeah, there you go. There you go. I remember Matt Ryan. That's about as pissed off as I've ever seen Matt Ryan, like, yelling at the officials. So I don't know how it went down like that. Um, I didn't really – get a clear understanding of that, but Matt Ryan, yeah, he was pretty fired up about that. But you're right, it was too many men in the huddle. Mike, I know you love dinosaurs, but uh, I was thinking about maybe writing a little screenplay for a Jurassic Park with some giraffes starring Matt Ryan. He's got the longest neck in sports. My wife um, was watching the game with me, and she goes, why is there a 55-year-old on the other team? Like, he looks so old for... I mean, I know I realize he's he's pretty old, but like... He's guess, still damn good, man. He, he's a great player. He just looks like like he's old in the face, and he's like he's like a journeyman now. You don't really think about Matt Ryan that much, you know. His name didn't come up too often in discussions, but man, yeah, he was he was he looked that way when he came into the league too. Yeah, you know, he he's got kind of an old face. Yeah, the vibe of a older player about him, even though he was, I guess, no older than any of the other guys who were coming in in that draft. I mean. Twenty four, yeah. Twenty four yeah. of thirty six, two seventy three, four touchdowns, a one twenty six point three passer rating. That's a day. Beast. That I mean, is a I day. mean, 
I can say the same thing about Matt Ryan, and I know people argue with me on this. I'll say the same thing about Matt Ryan today as I did after that Super Bowl. Like, he didn't lose in those games. I know that there are people that think that Matt Ryan was part of the problem and that when they lost the Super Bowl, he was a beast in that game too. Like, I don't know, Matt Ryan, like, he's pretty damn good. I know I wouldn't say that he's Aaron Rodgers or Russell Wilson or that, like, you know, Tom Brady class at Elite, but, I mean, he's right there on, on that next group. I, you, <laughs> he's a good he's problem to have. Tear down. Yeah. Uh, they're still a dangerous team, man. I have, you know, don't want to ever really as goofy as they sometimes are. Sometimes I don't ever want to play the Falcons with those weapons. I mean, Julio Ridley, Russell Gage, kind of becoming something for them. Hayden Hurst is a good player, and like you said, saying Matt Ryan's good. I mean, so things like hey, you get the win today, as weird as it was, I'm not like shaking it off as like it was some fluke or something. Like the Falcons are still going to go win some games this year, even. Though they do have a little bit of turmoil, and I think Dan Quinn's still still in the hot seat after a one and seven start last year, but that's still nothing to scoff at. You know, beating that team with all of their weapons. Um, oh, it's definitely you know, a good win, definitely. You know, twenty twenty nine twenty four though. After that happens, you know, uh, or so it's twenty nine seventeen when that happens. You know, if Julio Jones catches that pass, maybe it's thirty six seventeen instead because they get flagged for too many men in the huddle. They punt it, and the Cowboys end up having a big play. Amari Cooper, uh, Cooper had a one-handed catch for 58 yards. And that, to me, aside from everything that happened, the Julio Jones drop, like those two possessions need to be remembered because that thing is about where this game turned to where it looked like, okay, we got a little something going here. Uh, obviously, uh, down there at the, at the goal line, Dak gets hit, and they have the rough and the passer penalty. Andy Dalton comes in for a couple plays, but Dak ends up punching it in on third and inches. That made it 29-24, but, man, all of that hey. together, the combination of the Julio drop and the penalty on the Falcons, and that one-handed catch by Amari Cooper, that was an incredible swing in the game. You, you know what that really – this game, to a certain extent, and that play reminded me of, KT, it was the, it was the game the Cowboys lost last year to Green Bay. Like, they were going to need some miracle to come back, but they had that play – where Dak threw to Amari on the sideline, and Amari had a really nice catch, broke a tackle, and then had another safety coming across and did that spin. And that's right when you were like, oh, this might not be over just yet. But they still, in that game, they also would have needed an onside kick. I mean, so it's still, it's not great, but there was a lot of lot of this game that reminded me of that. And I think maybe also I thought of it because the way that they, the end zone they were going towards when he made the one-handed catch is the same end zone they were going towards you know, when uh, when he made that play against Green Bay. But obviously that game came up short, and uh, I don't know. I just, for as much criticism as the coaches get here, I just, man, I don't follow the Falcons enough to know what the, what, you know, the pulse is there. But blowing the Super Bowl the way they did, blowing this game the way they did, like, man, the, the thoughts that they must have about Dan Quinn right now, who I think is a really good coach, is can't be good. Yeah. They're going to have to accomplish something this year for him to keep his gig. Now, where the bar is, I don't know. Is it just getting into the wild card game? Uh, it could be, I guess, if enough else goes right and, and they start to develop some guys or, you know, somebody, somebody bursts onto the scene. But it could be higher. And I don't know if this team really can get – has aspiration or should have aspirations of getting much higher than that. Well, I mean, I know they should have aspirations, but I don't know how realistic those would be. 
and it feels very, very, you know, given the Saints and who knows what the Bucks are really going to be in that division. It really does feel They're like scary to me. Yeah, me too. I just, it feels like that team that's going to hover around anywhere between eight and, you know, or maybe seven and, and 10 wins. Yeah. You know, something like that. I don't hold out um, a lot of hope for old Dan Quinn, but I'm with you, Johnny. I think he's a good coach too. You know, it's funny. Arthur Blank had kind of made some comments in the past, like, well, I won't, be hes- I won't hesitate. If I need to go ahead and pull the trigger, I will. Uh, but, you know, he decided to keep him after the one and seven start last year as they finished six <laughs> and two. Um, I just got throws in there. All right. So I saw Arthur Blank today running across the field, like right after like the, like the opening, not even then the game even started. Yeah. That was like the guys were warming up. They left. And I just, it was very clear he was there and he was like waving to some people. And I missed this, but somebody said that he went over and gave a fist pound to like Steven and Jerry. And so it made me think of this. So I don't know if you guys saw that video that Jane Slater posted. But, so there were fans going up to like where Jerry's suite was. And Jerry's just standing there taking his mask off and they're standing down at the bottom. They can't even get close to him and they're taking a picture and he's just standing there at the suite and then they're down below and then like they left and then another group comes and Jerry's just standing there for like a picture. And they're he's not really in the picture because the suites are so much higher than where the people are. But it was just it's stupid. But it's just the stuff that I'm just like, this doesn't happen anywhere else. This is just so like this is such a cowboys thing, you know, like. I don't know. I, and I kept, I always keep my eye on Jerry. Like I, if I was a producer for like Fox or whatever, I would have a Jerry cam. Like I would always have a camera on him. I would pay so for I'm, Jerry cam. I'm so always need to just get one there. permanently so, installed in there. They don't need to have yes, a guy find him. Just Jerry. permanently install one, fiber it straight to the truck and have it. So, yeah. so hey, what are the, the, the really the, the mass that you're supposed to, the best of the best. Is it the N95? I think that's what we're called. Yes. yes N95. Yeah. Yeah. Yeah, so he had one of those on, and he's just sitting there kind of by himself. He wasn't in the separate little suite thing that he normally is. They had that closed off. I don't know if it's because of the way they have their configuration for COVID. but So he was in the normal, regular suite, but he was just sitting by himself. And I mean, he just looked so sad throughout that game. And I just thought it was funny to see how right after the game-winning kick, then they like go to they show him, and like Jerry Jr. is like hugging him or whatever. I don't know. It's just like I really do think there needs to be a Jerry cam. John, Sorry, KT. I, don't, I didn't mean to take it in that path. No, John, you're fine. I don't, I don't know if you watched the uh, game on TV. But you talked about Dak being so hype after the game. Like, yeah. at the end of the fourth quarter, they were showing Dak on the bench, and there was some of the most, like, what is my life? Where is this going? <laughs> Looks on his face, like, staring into <laughs> oblivion. Hello, darkness, my <laughs> old friend. Hello, in the background. I was just going to say hello, oh, darkness, dude, my it old was, friend. <laughs> there was probably three or four different times where they showed him, and he didn't blink. Like, he was just yeah. staring into the ground, like, what is happening? How is this happening? How are we 0-2? How is another season wasted another offseason, you know, all this stuff that's probably going through his mind, you know, and then they, to win that and game, you're right. it's probably just and like it, the most flip of emotions you could ever have. You know? Right. That's a good point. That's probably why he was like that after the game. I, I also wonder, well, we'll talk about this in a minute, actually, because like there's eight minutes left of the game and it's 39, 24 and the Cowboys score. Dak hits Dalton Schultz. It's 39, 30. And this is probably what would have been if they'd lost would have been the most talked about things of this game. It's 39-30, and they decided to go for two. And they don't get it, so they're now down by nine, giving the ball back to Atlanta. I was thinking to myself, as I was trying to gather my thoughts on how I felt about that, um, and I will say this, I was in the boat of, let's go ahead. We've been through a lot today. Let's just see if we can tie them. 
Um, and I know there's some like analytics people are going to tell you, hey, you need to know if you're down by two scores. I get all that stuff. But man, to me, you'd been through so much today. Can we just try to tie the team first? Uh, it's kind of where my mind was. But I was wondering, I was like, are the players even aware? Or they just do, or is it like marching orders? They just do what the coach says? Are they aware? Is anyone asking, like, what are we doing right now? Like, how does that, what are your thoughts on that, John? He was asked after the game, Mike McCarthy, and here's what he said. I think it's the wrong call to take the extra point. The decision to go for two there is simple mathematics. What? Where you'd rather know if it's a two-score game at the earliest time instead of taking it all the way down to the end and playing for two points at the end. I can't tell you how many conversations I've been involved in about this particular situation. To go for two there is just to make it clear with a little over four minutes left if we were going to be in a one-score or a two-score game. That was the thinking. I guess so I can see that point. He, so he's <laughs> saying that he would go for it then and not have a second thought about it rather than not and wind up with a two-score game at the end. Is that Am I, am I reading that right? Yeah. That's yeah, what I he's guess, saying. Yeah. And what he's saying is out of the – the big analytics handbook right there. They yeah. tell you to do that. And I, I've seen this a lot. So 39, a nine point game, what you should do in that amount of time is what this is what the analytics people will tell you. And look, I'm on board with some, well, quite a bit of analytics, but this one was a little different to me because I didn't think your defense was that good. Um, you know, so like that's where I was on this. So 39, 30. So if you can find out that it's a two score game, then there's enough time that we can play faster on offense if we need to. But to me, you're at, you're bringing an onside kick into the fold, which is something I don't want to do. Um, now, granted, I don't know if I've made this two. Especially point in this day yet. and age, like these two point conversions are even less likely to happen. Uh, anything exactly. in today's NFL that involves the words two point conversion, I want to know what the other option is. I'm more interested in that option because even after watching that thing today, you think that thing's about to work again. You mean onside kick? You you said yeah. two point conversion. You mean onside I'm, kick? Oh yes. yeah, yeah. I'm talking about that. I want nothing involved with an onside kick in the NFL today, with the way the rules are. Like it's so hard to get one, like the to convert on that to get I'm, one. Like start look at how bizarre down. that. Do you have him a fourth down play instead of doing onside kick? Give it Cowboys fourth down at the, you know, fourth and three well, yeah, or whatever but, it is. I mean, like they're yeah, doing they've the talked about that. You're right. They talked about that, but I'm saying that's not the rule right now, though. No, no, no. Oh, I thought you were just asking what could we possibly. No, have I'm saying as of right now, if, yeah. if I'm Mike McCarthy, I'm on the headset. I'm like, give me Steve, the analytics guy, right now, and then he says that, and he says, and then you have to do the onside kick. I'd be like, oh, okay. No, yeah, yeah, yeah. let's go with the other option. Yeah, I don't whatever like situation that is not the onside kick. I got yeah, you. Yeah, whatever yeah. one doesn't involve the onside kick, that's the one I like. Mm-hmm. I don't hate I, the onside kick, but I'm a fan. You know, I'm just watching the game and I don't hate the onside kick. Now, if I were involved in it as coach or analytics guy, and if I told the coach, let's do the onside kick and he did it and he didn't, it didn't work. And I'm going to get my ass yelled at by him after it was over. He's going to hang me out to dry in the media and say, well, Steve, the analytics guy told me to do this. Then. I don't know. I might feel different for me, but as a fan, I, I like the onside kick. I will support the onside kick. <laughs> you know, I, I feel like I mean, if you're going to sit there and try to get it eliminated from the game, Johnny, then you're going to go. No, 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 no. I'm not. I'm not trying to do that. I'm not trying to. I, I think, I think it's you fun are. Too as a, no, 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 no. <laughs> I think it's fun as a fan too. 
uh, <laughs> I just, if I'm a coach, I don't, I want to avoid that at all costs, especially, like I said, the way the rules are now, like, I just think it's so unlikely that you get it. And just even watching, like, if you show me the tape of that play today, let's say I coach another team, you're like, hey, I know you don't like the onside kick option. Look at how this thing worked. I'd be like, get that away. That's how many times do you think that's going to work? I mean, it's not like it literally was the perfect thing. Like they thought that they couldn't touch it before 10 years. That's what CJ Goodwin said, who recovered it. He said that they didn't, that they believed that they couldn't touch it before 10 yards. So they would just wait until it went over the 10 yard line. So he knew he didn't have to do anything. That thing could have sat there and spun for another 30 seconds before it finally got to its 10 yards and nobody could touch it. But them. that's what he was told. I wonder how many onside kicks the Cowboys tried in the Landry years, say from 65 when they started to get good until, um, say, 85 when they started to get bad. Oh, my God. There's got to be an onside kick website, right, that has all the onside kick uh, stats on there. Man, I'd love to know that. I'll bet you could count them on on your fingers. There's no doubt. One thing I'd say, too, is like, since they've made the rule change to the onside kick uh, for safety reasons, it's taken, and this is goes back two or three years now since they've made those changes. It's really taken a little bit of the, uh, the luster out of these two score games. So to me, that decision by McCarthy, and by the way, all analytics decisions are based on winning. They're not based on tying. They're never based on how to tie the game. They're always based on how to win the game. Um, and that's kind of where the analytics people really come in. And I think that that needs to be discussed. Like, well, if you're down, like you have been that entire game and you're down 15 with eight minutes left, you're pretty happy if you tie that game when it's over. And I think that thought needs to be talked about a little bit. And I think, you know, 39, you get it. It's 39, Awesome. Okay. Good news. I think I would though take the extra point. It's 39, 31. And then I am not asking my defense to get two stops or I'm not asking myself to have to recover an onside kick. The stats, and I don't have them right in front of me, but I could pull them up in due time. The onside kick stats, I believe, okay, this was, uh, it was down to 6% at one point last year since they made the rule change. So in 2019, and this is in November 2019, this is the latest reference I have, the onside kick recovery rate was 6%. Like, it's just not a good, it's not a good rate. Like, you're rarely going to to get that. And they got yeah. lucky, and they got it, and they had to have that to win the game, and it looks good by winning the game. But if it's 39-31, and you get that stop, and you get the ball, and you go score, I I, I guess what I would say is I, I have a problem with, and I, and I had this problem when I followed this guy in Green Bay, so I don't want everyone to say I'm not being negative about this win. This is just what Mike is, and I'll take that over the robot any day. So take it over, Garrett. So you're saying, I mean, you kind of did talk about this, right? You you said KT in the offseason when when he was hired. So you're saying this is going to be more stressful going forward. This is not going to get any less. Oh, God, yeah. Okay. That's that's yeah. (laughs) That's awful. Yeah. Because if the team doesn't convert on those situations that he calls for, then then you're going to get backlash for it. So like he's and that's fine. Like, it's okay. I guess what I would say, though, is that today's game was. Just ask yourself, with eight minutes left and you're down 39-24, if I said, hey, man, if, if we could get it to 39-39, wouldn't that be great? You'd go, yes. And my problem is with the things that he'll go say about it after the game. What he said is what the analytics guy would have told you. All right? And it's right. It worked out this week, and it's good. 
One and one. Excellent. My problem is then why weren't you a little more aggressive trying to get closer, a closer field goal? Why were you just settling that for was 48 wild. yards? Why that are you just okay wild. with that? If you're going to be aggressive, yes. big guy, this let's be aggressive. That's my, hey, my issue. That might be one of the most lost storylines of this entire game. When they started doing I was like, I'm sitting there counting up the numbers. I'm like, that's still 40, where are we, 48 now? 47? 40, I mean, they probably want to get another 6, 7. Dak spiking the ball. They don't want to get any more. Okay, here we go. I guess, I guess he feels good from 46. Here we go. Like, if you're going to be analytics guy, then you better be analytics guy all the time. <laughs> it's just, it's, yeah. I, I, I just, and I don't know. Look, I'm not, I'm not mad. They got the win. I just, the, the, the things too, when you, this offense, when they open it up and they start playing with urgency, they start moving the ball better because quite frankly, they have enough explosive pieces on the outside to play that way. Yet it seems like the game plan, and maybe this is a Kellen Moore thing, it seems like, man, the way they want to roll is like, hey, man, we got to get this running game going in the first half. And we got to try to get ahead. And then obviously the fumbles are going to kill it every game. This is, you know, that's this week's a little different. But you'll notice they start moving the ball when it's time and start playing urgency. They get down by two scores, light a little yep. candle up their butt, and they start playing fast. Yep. So Mike's telling me because we knew it was a two-possession game, Mike McCarthy is telling me because we knew it was a two-possession game that we could kind of flip the switch on and we kind of start playing fast on offense. Like, what? Before we move on, KT, got to tell our listeners about Roman. Talking about erectile dysfunction isn't easy. Usually we just brush it off, blame ourselves, saying things like, I lost my mojo, or we avoid it altogether with excuses like, I had a long day, or sorry, honey, just not feeling it right now. But with Roman, it's easy to talk about it. With a real healthcare professional who can prescribe real medication, it's simple, safe, and totally discreet. With Roman, you get free online evaluation for care for ED, all from the comfort and privacy of your own home. A healthcare professional will work with you to find the best treatment plan, and if medication is appropriate, Roman will ship it to you with free two-day shipping. The whole process is straightforward, simple, and discreet, and getting started is simple. Go to GetRoman.com slash Cowboys. ED used to be tough to tackle, but now there's Roman. Complete an online visit today, connect with a healthcare professional, and take care of it, guys. Go to GetRoman.com slash Cowboys today, and if you're approved, you'll get $15 off your first order. That's GetRoman.com slash Cowboys. GetRoman.com slash Cowboys. One more quick sponsor I got to mention here, KT, before we wrap up this episode and put the finishing touches on this game. The football season will be different this year, and Pepsi is here to get you ready for game day no matter how you watch the game this season. After recovering the league, traveling for so many years, it's kind of nice to be able to hang out at home. Pepsi is the refreshment you need to power through game day and become a member of the League of Football Watchers. These passionate fans are the real generational talent that Pepsi fuels. Because Pepsi isn't made for those who play the game, it's made for those who watch the game. Pepsi, made for football watching. Go to madeforfootballwatching.com to check out the latest football watching content from Pepsi. Let me just say this. Um, let's talk about the offense by talking about the defense real quick. We on this podcast aren't that confident in this defense, and we really don't get to see much of practice. We might be more confident in this defense than they are because they get to see it all. Mike McCarthy on the pregame show? said practice this week was okay. He said it was okay coming off of a loss like that. It was okay. 
So clearly they're seeing stuff too in there where they're just like, eh, I'm real nervous about this defense. So I think you've got to just remember that when you look at yeah. the way they, what they're doing on offense, I think has a lot to do with who their defensive personnel is. Let's put it that way. Yeah. Uh, usually one does reflect the other. I mean, look through the course of history in the game of football and a lot of the time you'll find that if a team has a defense that's shaky or weak in a certain area, then, then usually as you look at that and break it down, you'll get to a point where they try to make up for it. Some on offense. That's just the way the game goes. Always has been. Yeah. You know, the way they've, uh, you know, spent, spent their money. It's, it's kind of wild. Like, Obviously, you forget. I mean, well, I don't forget. It just seems like it was a long time ago. Like Travis Frederick retired in April. We had talked for years about look at their assets. Man, they spent so much money on offense, but then they go out and they let Byron Jones walk. You know, in free agency, and you know, a lot of people might have seen their seen enough Byron Jones were ready to move on. But you know, Cheeto was asked to play cornerback one type snaps today, um, and it wasn't good enough. You know, Cheeto got beat by Calvin Ridley for a touchdown. Um, you know, Trevon Diggs is flashing a little bit, but we saw him get beat. We saw Jordan Lewis get beat. Like, they've got to find a way to cover, but I don't like – I think everything that's been invested on this team appears to be from a pass rush standpoint. And that's where things kind of – I kind of get lost in how I how I think this defense is even going to come around. Like, is the pass rush just going to show up in week four or week five, week six? I guess maybe. I guess maybe go play the Eagles or something who have a terrible offensive line and, and had another loss today. But I don't really know if I see the light when it comes to this defense becoming league average, which is what they're well, is what I'm going to need them to be, right? I need them to be around the 15th or 16th best defense in the league. I need them to make turnovers. I mean, they had a pass thrown to Daryl Worley, hit him in the hands today, and he dropped it. Former country music star Daryl Worley. Um not him. There's a country music guy named Daryl Worley back in the '90s. Um, so I don't know if I, I don't know about I don't know about you guys. I don't really see the light in terms of uh, um, where the where the defense becomes a uh, league average anytime soon. Maybe it's by playing the Giants and the Eagles and the and the Washington football team a lot. Yeah. What if league average turns out to be the ceiling for the thing? What well, if Michael Jordan good? once said, "The ceiling is the roof." He did say that. What if what if that's as good as it can be? I mean, I was okay with letting Byron Jones walk away until that golden bulb of enlightenment went off over my head, and I realized that Awuzier was going to be his replacement. Because I yeah. have never had any comp. That guy's always spared me to death. Just a step behind again. Good Calvin Ridley's a. Really good player, and Calvin Ridley's a, you know it's a wide a good wide receiver too. In yeah, this yeah, Calvin Ridley can make you look like a fool for sure. But if you're going to contend, you got to have somebody who can step up to those guys. Yeah, it's true. Took it took it for granted when Byron would take on the number one receiver, and you wouldn't hear from him all game, right? That was that was pretty nice. Yeah, when, <laughs> you know, actually, I, he's I over there doing. And his thank job. God Julio Jones was hurt because he might have torched us. Even more, you know, he didn't have a hamstring injury. I mean, he did kind of torch him at the end with a couple incredible catches. But, um, yeah, Cowboys got lucky in a lot of areas today, man. They, it's everything that needed to go their way did, you know, <laughs> at the, towards the end. And you talk about takeaways. My biggest takeaway is I'm worried about this offensive line big time. I think it's going to be a problem going forward. 
and you can't expect Dak to have a literally record-breaking performance every week and and pull it out of his butt every week. You can't can't expect. Could that. not they were, agree. They were just getting absolutely torched. Uh, I mean, I was just watching the right tackle. Who is it? Steele. Oh my God, he was just getting Steel, absolutely, yeah. he was getting he was absolutely terrible, absolutely destroyed in the first he was getting quarter. Destroyed. Dak didn't he have a, a chance. So, I mean, my biggest concern going forward is, yeah, this offense can light it up at will, but is this offensive line good enough to sustain it uh, the entire season? I don't think it is. And I don't know what they're going to do about that. There's Ron Leary's on the way, though. Can do. They're pretty much stuck with what they've got. Yeah. The, the one thing I would say back to you guys when you guys were talking about the defense um, and it not being ever maybe better than the middle of the pack – I mean, to actually get it above that, if let's say that the ceiling is 16th, middle of the pack, you probably have to make bigger investments on that side of the ball. And while C.D. Lamb's great, and that's the player I would prefer to have, teams that want to be better on defense would have drafted Caleb on Chase on there. They would have went back-to-back picks. They would have went Chase on and then Trayvon Diggs in the second and probably would go two defensive picks in next year's draft and probably would spend it defensively in free agency. Yeah. But yeah, that's not what this best. team does. Yeah. You know, this I mean, yeah, that, that is what they do. You know, if there's a sexy, game-breaking, exciting offensive player there, especially one like CeeDee Lamb, who they didn't think would be there, you know what they're going to do. They're going to do what they always do. That's just the Cowboys being the Cowboys. Yeah, you know, honestly, though, if that's the play, I think CeeDee Lamb brings you a lot more immediate impact than – then Chase sure. on does, and if I'm going to pay my quarterback forty million dollars, which is probably going to be happening, let's uh, go ahead and get him as many weapons as possible, and maybe we'll cobble together the defense as this, as this year moves on. Yeah, you, um, you can make the argument for it for sure. All I'm saying is, if you do, it's kind of a Rob Peter to pay Paul thing, you know. I and just don't you're think going to be, you're going to be robbing Peter somewhere else. So quit your bitching about it. I mean, you know what you did. You know the deal with the devil you made. And I don't think that's the only way that you, you can do it. I think you can do it the other way. I think you can do it the way Seattle did early on with Russell Wilson, and they should have won more than just the one Super Bowl, where maybe he didn't have the greatest pieces around him, and he was more of a game manager at that time, but that's because the defense was loaded. So if you do invest in the defense, maybe you don't need to put all the uh, the weapons around Dak because you don't need him to score 30 a game. You can win games yeah. scoring 20, you know, I, I agree. Like, I, I would rather have CeeDee Lamb. I'm not trying to make that argument. I'm just saying that I don't think that's the only way that you can go with it. I think you can also go the other oh. way. And it won't be as exciting, and the Cowboys don't want that. But, yeah, then you win games 17-14 or, or 21-17 as opposed to, you know, 35-31. So, I mean, there's two different ways to go about it. Sure, sure. CeeDee Lamb's not the only way, but he is the Cowboy way. Well, I would also say they. it seems like at least – so I feel like it's more of a Steven and maybe it, maybe it's a Will McClay thing as well. It feels like they're more dead set on if we're going to make uh, you know difference makers on defense, it's going to be through the pass rush though. Yeah. And not through coverage. And that's yeah. what kind of, and I know Cheeto and Jordan Lewis were investments, but what was that draft about? Oh, let's get someone who can rush the passer first. We're going to take a defensive end first because we think we can get secondary guys later. And I just look at how uh, it's an easy thing to do is just go, hey, look what New England does. Look how New England's done things through the years. Like, by God, we're going to cover people, and we're going to trade you Chandler Jones, and we're going to get draft picks. We're going to cover, though. We're going to invest in coverage guys. I mean, this organization has taken a 30-year break on uh, – well, a 25-year break at least on investing in the safety position. They don't care. 
They've, they talk about it. They've said they don't care. They don't say it like that. It's crass and out there like, is that, but they've made it clear that they don't care too much about, you know, investing in coverage. They believe you make a difference in pass rush and that's fine. As long as, you know, that's pretty consistent. And, you know, I hadn't seen too much of it in the first two weeks of this yeah. year. The Cowboy the, way has always been that you that you, you can find a safety. Yeah. Can't they find a pass team. rusher, but you can find a safety. Where are they more talented at right now? With, let's say, we'll use today as an example. Where, where are they more talented? At safety or with this offensive line that they had out there today? <sighs> oh, my God. <laughs> well, you have I mean, a Hall of Famer on the offensive line. I don't. I don't yeah. think you have yeah, a Hall of Famer do have in the that. defensive. <laughs> I'm just saying that I think it's somewhat comparable. I'd probably give the edge to the offensive line because of Zach Martin. Yeah. But it's five positions to, you know, two. Yeah. And then I guess you would actually have like three or four because you're going to have some backups there and stuff like that. But it's just the idea of like, can you just imagine if this was the offensive line that they had to go with the whole season? Because that's the safety group they're going with for the full season. There's no, there's not going to be any changes there as much as everybody wants Earl Thomas. Like that, that's the crew they're rolling with. Yeah. Well, or do, or do totally you bring in Earl Thomas now? Or do you bring in Earl Thomas now? Well, I thought he was going to be here already. <laughs> I didn't. I didn't think there'd be a a chance in hell that Earl Thomas would be sitting there as a free agent on the street, and he wouldn't be. Jerry wouldn't have signed him already. I, I did not imagine no, I that ever either. being a, a which makes me wonder what's the deal with that guy. Is he yeah. viewed as too hot to handle by everybody for one reason or another? I think everyone's weirded out that he was sleeping with his brother. Wait, he would wait. Kind of. <laughs> that's not. Uh, I mean, they were. That's. I don't think that's how it went down. He and his I brother, think you need to specify it. Yeah, I said it wrong. He and his brother and multiple women. And one of the top sports sex scandals of all time, which hopefully we'll get a follow up report on Mike Reiner's Square One podcast in the future, ranking the top. Yeah, that was sex all swept under the time. rug around the time of um, A. COVID-19 and be like Kobe Bryant passing away too. So there's like two big stories kind of happening simultaneously. Yeah. Everyone just forgot about that. Plus I, I wouldn't be surprised. If, I I wouldn't be surprised if he's not the only NFL player that has had that situation happen. I'm talking to an brother? NFL player. Yeah. Yeah. Oh, I would be surprised if he was the only NFL. Yeah. Player. yeah. No, there's a lot wilder stuff going on than that. Well, coming up later in the week when we uh, get you ready for the Seahawks game, we'll also uh, give our list of guys who we think have been in that same situation. <laughs> or worse. With their you brother. KT. That'll be KT's uh, segment. Yeah. You guys of ever hear of the White House? Possible possible incestual <laughs> NFL players with KT. My, Mike, did you ever go there? No. No, I didn't. I, I know where it is. I don't even yeah. know where it is. No, it's a... It's, uh, <laughs> I think you can look it up. I, I think our friends uh, Kelsey yeah. and Dave uh, went drove by it like a couple weeks ago when they went drove by Valley Ranch. And uh, it's not white anymore, though. It's like red brick now or something. I need to do that. That needs that to be definitely a, needs to be on Mike Reiner. Rushmore Mike Reiner uh, podcast needs to be the history of the White House with featuring Michael Irvin and Mike Reiner. <laughs> If only oh, rated X. Just kidding. What All right. Show that would be. Uh, yeah. So anyone else got anything they want to get off their chest here? Cowboys win 40, 39. Anyone have any closing, closing parting shots here? Uh, yeah. I mean, the last, the last thing I'll say is that, you know, the, the narrative is going to be, Oh, the Falcons 
lost. The Cowboys didn't win, right? That's going to be what the haters say, if you will. I mean, Dak was unbelievable in this game. They do not win this game without Dak. They all they have a they have a chance now <laughs> because Dak's on your team. Dak and Zeke are on your team, and uh, that feels good going forward. Is this offense and these weapons are amazing? I just hope the pieces around them can hold it together enough. But I do think the Cowboys won this game. Not that the Falcons lost, even though that is the main narrative coming out. Go ahead. I would agree with that. I think the Cowboys did win it. And I don't know if I've seen Dak better. Yeah. Yeah, Dak's great. Obviously, Amari Cooper with a huge game with 100 yards as well, and CeeDee Lamb with over 100 yards. Dalton Schultz, nine catches. Yeah, like I said, yeah, I was going to say. Yeah, Dalton I need to Schultz. Talk more crap. How about I, talk, I called him out last week for coming from tight end you and not showing up. Um, yeah, so – uh, let's see, uh, Amari, you suck. You suck, Amari, and you're not a good wide receiver. So we'll see if you have have a good one next week. And the Washington football team looked pretty terrible against the very fun Arizona Cardinals today. So Cowboys get the win. They're still at top of the Very dangerous East. Arizona Cardinals, too. Oh, Kyler Murray is insane. He is yeah. insane. The only other thing I was going to add was that uh, – also lost in this a little bit is Ezekiel Elliott. Um, yeah. I think he looked like he did in that first game, and, and he looks like the Ezekiel Elliott of 2016. And so, yeah, if you're looking for things to be excited about, they're all on the offensive side of the ball. But still, like it's it's pretty impressive the way he was playing. Um, I did uh, enjoy very much that safety stepping up in the box, thinking he was going to put a shoulder in the Zeke on the goal line and stop him and got ran over. And it looked like his shoulder got separated the way he was holding when he was on the ground. But uh yeah, um, I don't know what you do in that situation. I don't know how you bring that guy down, but when he's playing like he is right now, yeah, they're they're, they're dangerous. My favorite Zeke um, thing that he does is when he hits the hole really slow, and then he just accelerates. You know, like that change of speed, that change of direction that he has is so deceiving, and I think it catches a lot of those guys off guard. You know, it's like he's coming at you real slow, and then he'll just turn on the jets and just bull rush you, kind of. <laughs> Um, I don't. I don't think I see a lot of running backs have that multiple gear um, ability that he has. It's he's coming on Mike, strong, man. I'm glad I took him in that in our uh, Dak draft. Yeah, Mike, what do you think about the idea of getting a uh, feed me tattoo on your stomach when you're in your 20s? <laughs> and how do you think that might look when you're maybe in your 50s or 60s? Oh, I was gonna. I thought you were gonna say that was gonna be the bet uh, payoff well, for the Dak draft. No, no. <laughs> <laughs> Mike having to get a feed me a tattoo on his stomach. That'd be great. I can't tell you how many people proposed that idea to me once they saw that. They said, this is something you need to look at. But no, the, the the whole tattoo thing, I'm afraid, has passed me by. That that ship has sailed. I I hate needles anyway. I couldn't do it. <laughs> yeah, my my biggest thing with a tattoo is I always thought I would have instant regret. Because I'm a guy who, uh, like, I'll get interested in something and then I'll drop it and get interested in something else in about, you know, 10 minutes. So, like, I would be like, oh, why did I choose that? I should have gotten that tattoo. And I think the guys that do that end up having a full sleeve or something. So, I, uh, I'm i going to stay away from tattoos because I feel like I'd be unhappy with my decision after after 10 minutes. That's all well, the he says, reason to do it. He says that the stomach one was extremely painful. And this is a guy that is pretty much covered in tattoos and his profession is to get in like basically like 30, 40 car wrecks every Sunday. I mean, 
the wear and tear that he takes on his body. I mean, nobody is is putting out hits like that guy. So if he says a stomach tattoo is painful, I'm going to go ahead and pass on, on that whole idea. That doesn't seem like if I'm going to get one, I don't think I'm going to be getting it on my stomach. Not to mention, I just don't, I'm not really into stomach tattoos. I don't know that that's for everybody. That's the uh, second best tattoo of Dallas history. The first being Dallas Psychic's great tattoo. This is probably taking this whole thing too far, but <laughs> like, I just think of that as being like the one of the, I shouldn't say the worst, one of the worst areas you can get a tattoo because like how many people as they get older are their stomachs staying like in enough shape where you'd want to show that off? Like even people that like, are constantly like working out all the time. Like as you get older, like usually there's only so much you can do about your stomach. You're not gonna have a six pack at sixty. You know, like I just don't know what the aging process, how good the uh, upside is on a on a on a significant stomach tattoo. We're talking about a guy. A lot of thought was not put into that. <laughs> We're talking about a guy who said that his favorite fast food menu item is on the secret menu at McDonald's. It's the McGangbang. <laughs> oh, that's right. He which did is say a, that quarter pounder with cheese yeah. with a chicken sandwich in the middle of it. Yeah. Right. So the guy who likes McGangbangs off the secret menu at McDonald's got a feed me tattoo. I forgot about that. That's right. Yeah. I'm going to go order one of those right now. I'm surprised somebody more, some food company hasn't jumped on the feed me thing with Zeke more and given him like his own McDonald's meal or something, you know, like I think that would, I thought that would have been more of a cash in for Zeke. Good time. But, yeah, Give it time. It, it that just started to gain traction like last week. Yeah, the uh, the tattoo. Yeah. yeah. Give it time here. The other thing is too with him is I think that some of the off the field stuff kind of hurt him with endorsements early in his career. Yeah, that's true. You know, yeah. and, and Dak yeah. was getting all of them. So like now that he got this Fritos lay, yeah, yeah the Doritos, uh, Frito, yeah. Frito lay, yeah, Doritos one. I think that might open the door for more of that. He's stuff super like that. marketable if he, yeah, if he didn't have oh, the yeah, off the field sure. stuff. I feel like. Everyone knows yeah. Zeke. He's hilarious too. He's funny. That the one thing we did do is that video of him eating the cereal that you always see the gif of. Oh, know? that's right. I forgot you were working there when. Yeah, yeah that's, that's right. What we did uh, that might be my my greatest contribution to uh, the internet. And all of my music and uh, films or whatever podcasts or whatever. It's probably just the gif of Zeke eating cereal. I'll be known for that probably. My legacy. All right. Well, Cowboys somehow are one and one. Uh, it didn't look like it was going to be that way, but uh, they get through it. They're one and one, and it uh, looks like we got the old Seattle, uh, Seattle, well, Seattle, the Seattle Seahawks next week in Seattle. That's a three twenty-five game. We'll uh, have it at the four podcast. and a half point underdogs. That's the latest right now. The Cowboys Already? are four and a half. Yes. Well, they're putting it on the Patriots. Last I saw, right now. Um, but uh, we'll have another follow-up episode a little later in the week to get you ready for that game and catch you up on any injury news or anything else happening in Cowboy Land. Maybe Mike McCarthy will have some more thoughts on uh, some of the decisions he's made during in the game as, uh, as well. Uh, for our producer, Kent Garris, thank you very much. For Father John Bashoda, for this week's special guest, the old gray wolf, Mike Reiner. Make sure you check out Mike's podcast, Square One, on The Athletic. Um, Mike, thank you so much for your time this evening. We appreciate it, man. Enjoyed it as always, man. All right. Well, uh, we'll do this again later in the week. Hope everyone has a great week. Everyone stay safe out there because, uh, hey, man, this season's just getting started. It's already it's already crazy. It's just getting started. Uh, I'm KT. Uh, it's been another episode of About Them Cowboys. See you.